0: Expositional series of Galatians has taken us all year so far on Wednesday nights. Once every three weeks, it seems like we preach on this. We have a special, a lot of special speakers in between, of course, and special events for VBS and so forth. But anyhow, we're back on subject tonight. We're back on our expositional series, part one of uh, our, uh, this fourth chapter of, 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 of Galatians, of course. I'd like to read verses 1 through 11. And I'm going to let you remain seated tonight. I want you to enjoy and, and dig in and put your thinking cap on and some heavy duty stuff that we're about ready to read. And uh, try to make it as simple as we can here tonight. But let's read responsibly verses 1 through 11. You can remain seated again. Read the even numbered verses with me through verse number 10. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, in reading responsibly. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. And when, by when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did not service unto them which by nature are no gods. Excuse me. But now, after that, ye have known God, or rather are known of God. How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Let's spend our time in a few minutes in review and we'll move forward here tonight here. And take your worksheet, I'm sure you all have it already, but uh, uh, this living liberty exposition of this book of Galatians, we saw in chapter 1 that Christians are, uh, right off the bat we got a misspell there, it should be Christians are born free, not a born free, are are born free, purchased by the gospel. Christians are free born, were purchased by the gospel. In Galatians 1, 6, 6 and 7, of course, but I fear lest by any means has a serpent beguiled, or rather, but I fear, let me read it here, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert or pollute or per- corrupt the gospel of Christ. And so we're born free, we're saved completely by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. There's no... Works Of course, this book is a treatise on that very subject. And so chapter 1, we're born free, purchased by the gospel. Chapter 2, we looked at Freedom's Fight. Freedom's Fight, it was a, title, a subtitle of the chapter. By the way, I took this outline here, from uh, stole it from Brother Warren Worsby, for to give credit to whom credit is due. Uh, in Freedom's Fight, uh, we have liberty in Christ, in verse number 4, of course, of chapter 2 expounds upon that uh, that there are certain crept in false brethren crept in unawares, who privately came in to spout our liberty which we have in Jesus Christ, and so their freedoms fight. We are free from the law. Oh, happy condition, as the song says. Then chapter three, we looked at four messages in chapter three. Weak Christians can be. Verse one was our text verse. Be bewitched, or be. Uh, under, cast under his spell into believing that salvation is to be secured or finished by works. Are you so foolish having begun in faith that you're not made perfect by works? And so salvation is by grace alone. The gospel is free. It's completely paid for by Christ. It is finished. There's a fight for freedom that we are, if the Son therefore make you free, you shall be free indeed. Uh, but Paul continues on his theological dissertation and he says, don't be bewitched, don't be fooled and go back into Judaism, go, don't go back to, to the uh, idea that you're saved by the Spirit, but you've got to keep your salvation by works. Well the general outline of uh, uh, chapter 4 is this, and it's just a three-fold outline, we'll just have time to look at the first half of Roman number 1 tonight, but we have the dispensational, I know it's a big word, dispensational argument, verses 1 to 11, we'll look at that tonight here in the minutes that we have. What we're saying is that the key word, the next fill-in-the-blank words, is the same three words. A different, at different times, God deals in different ways with different people. God sets the house rules. You probably won't remember this, but I'll give you the word, because I like to say it because it's a fun word. It's the word, in the Greek language, the word dispensation is the word oikonomos. It's also the word fellowship sometimes. And... Uh, the word oikonomos, the oikos is the word for house, and namas is the word for rules, oikonomos, house rules. I always think of monopoly. Uh, how many put $500 in the middle of the, 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 the board? That's not in the rules. That's your house rules. A, but we all know. And then it's community chance and chess, or rather, uh, what's community, community chess, rather? And what's the other one? Chance. chance, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you have to pay a fine, you put it in the middle, right? That's not in the rule book. That's the house rules. In, in my house, you play by my rules. So God is allowed to change the house rules. A lot of card games where people choose their own uh, house rules. God changes his house rules. He's allowed to do that. He's God, after all. And so uh, the dispensational argument is given in these first 11 verses that salvation is by grace alone and that it's, it's without the works of the law. And then he's going to, we'll explain that in a few minutes here. But let's go to number one, number 2. We won't get there tonight. Uh, but the sentimental argument, verses 12 to 18, the sentimental argument. Paul basically says in verses 12 to 18, he says, he beseeches them. It starts off verse 12. I beseech you, brethren, I beseech you, it says, verse 12 I'm looking at. Be as I am. He's employing to their emotions and Paul beseeches them, "You loved me when I you loved me when I came to you, or you loved me should be past tense. You loved me when I came to you, but now you hate me." Verse sixteen, because I tell you the truth. Verse sixteen says, "As I therefore become your, am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. The truth hurts sometimes, but faithful are the wounds of a friend." And so we had this, this. Sentimental argument. As long as he was preaching love to them, they, they liked that. But when he started giving them hard truth, doctrinal meat, they, they rebelled and rejected this. And it's, to, it's sadness there, of course. And then, then Roman number 3, several weeks from now, Lord willing, or uh, near the end of the year, the way we're going, <laughs> uh, we'll look at the allegorical, allegorical argument. That's verses 19 through, 30 through 32. It's a long dissertation on Abraham's two sons. Uh, one was by the bondwoman, Hagar, and of course I'm referring to Ishmael, he was w- of the flesh. One son was of the flesh. The other son was of the spirit, or the fill and blank word, though, is the word grace. One was the one was natural birth, the other was the supernatural birth. Salvation is a supernatural birth. We don't get to heaven by keeping the law again. It's not by natural. It's, uh, it's a supernatural truth. And these verses still in the way of introduction, and we'll get to our outline here in a second. but the law you see people like Judaizers, legalists as whatever term you want to use the law enables Judaizers to do things, and doing things religious things makes us feel good, makes us feel like we're 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 uh we're special with God or that we're we're close to God. But, the, but grace allows Christians, or sons of God, to be. And let me give you a, so let me say that again. The law enables Judaizers to do things, and it makes you feel good. It's carnal, it's fleshly, but it's cloaked in spirituality. So it makes us feel good. Uh, I came to church out of duty tonight. Uh, uh, I might not have felt like coming, but I came out of duty. Nothing wrong with coming out of duty, but I, hopefully I came out of love. Hopefully you came out of love. I, you say, preacher, why are you here tonight? Well, I'm the preacher. I have to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm funning with you now. And, uh, but law says you do things out of duty and to be right with God. But being the son of God, and gonna we'll give you a verse, and it's not on the worksheet, but 1 John 3, 2, now are we the sons of God. I don't have to do, I already am. I, 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 I am, I'm a son of God. I'm justified, I'm sanctified, I'm glorified. Uh, I'm righteous, I'm loved. I don't have to earn it. I, I've already, he, he's already paid it all. And I, uh, He that spread out his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. How shall not also freely give us all things? Romans chapter 8. So we had the dispensational argument, first part of the chapter, the dis- sen- sen- sentimental argument, the second part, the middle part, than the allegorical argument. So let's look at the, and we'll probably only get through the first half of this tonight, it's a pretty meaty subject as we look at verses 1 through 7, just a twofold outline of verses 1 through 11 on the dispensational argument. First of all, looking at their adoption. Looking at their adoption, verses 1 to 7. And our key verse, where we find the word adoption, of course, is verse 5. Notice, let's go down there to begin with. To redeem them that were under the law... That we might receive the adoption of sons. Now the word adoption, by the way, in fact, the word the adoption of sons is just one word in the Greek language. It's the word hoithesia. It means to place as an adult son. It has to do adoption has to do with it's not on the worksheet yet. I'm just giving you the introduction to stuff. I'm, adoption has to do with standing, position. Uh, some of you know. Uh, some of you know Tom was Martinson was coming to our church for a while. I talked to Tom just yesterday. As a matter of fact, I had a nice conversation with him. And Tom's a, uh, an unusual guy, nice guy, loves the Lord. Uh, he's got some issues or particular things. And, but he he went to he went to Russia twice. He adopted first of all his daughter, who I've never met, but then he adopted her, her kid brother, Yuri. And you've met Yuri. He's been here several times. Yuri was adopted, and he, became, he came to America. He left everything. It was legal adoption, and he became the son of Tom Martinson. And he, he's got his name Yuri Martinson now. And there was a legal transaction that took place, and it, it, it's standing. And so, uh, you see, salvation or uh, adoption has to do with standing, not salvation, And we're going to look at uh, we're going to break this apart here in more detail in here in a little bit. But we do not enter God's family. Here's fill in the blank. Get that phone and tell him I said hello. (laughs) And uh, uh, we 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 don't enter God's family by adoption, but by regeneration. We don't get there by adoption. That's a legal transaction. We get there by regeneration. You know. uh, Nicodemus, John chapter 3, he felt he was already in the family of God. Of course, he was a Jew, he was a Pharisee. You know the story very well. He, says, he said, he said came to the Lord in the middle of the night. He said, Lord, no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus said in John 3, 3, he said, marvel not that he said, don't be amazed, Nicodemus, that I say unto thee, marvel not that you must be born again. And you read the rest of the verses, and Nicodemus was blown away. Why? Just a legal transaction, hey, I'm a child of God, I'm a Jew. That doesn't get you to heaven. Jew, he was a Jew by the flesh, by natural birth, but he needed a supernatural, he needed a new birth. He needed regeneration. Same thing can be said today in many people, um, and I deal with it on a regular basis, it seems like, over the course of a lifetime of ministry, for sure. We have so many people that grew up in Protestant churches, not Catholic, but Protestant churches, and they're automatically—they—they they fool themselves into believing they're Christians because they grew up in church, they were sprinkled as a child, they were christened, they were in their catechized, they were confirmed. They've always believed in the Lord, and they just evolved into God's family. No, there must be a supernatural transaction. We call it the new birth. It's regeneration, and so regeneration is what's that brings—brings brings, uh, life, not adoption. That's a—that's a. That's a Again, a legal transaction. So uh, by the way, when we get saved, uh, First John, we'll get to our fill in the blanks here in a minute here, but I want you to understand the, the, the progression here. When you get saved, 1 Peter chapter 2 says you're as a newborn what in Christ? Babe. Okay, so Henry, if he's saved, he's a newborn babe in Christ. Now, we want them to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hopefully, our teenagers downstairs, uh, or a handful of teenagers with Caleb right now, they're, they're children in Christ. They're growing up and they're maturing. You go from a baby, last time I checked, to a child, a young child, to an older child, to a teenager, and then you get to a full-blown son or an adult. But uh, the, normally, that's the progression, but in salvation... There's an instantaneous transaction we could become, become a babe in Christ, we become a child of God, we become a Son of God, and there's a delineation between a child of God and the Son of God. and we're going to look at the differences here in just a few minutes here. and matter of fact, that's the balance of our message tonight. So I want to divide up because uh, it's unfortunate that and I refer to John 1:12 will suffice, um, but as many as received him, to them give you the power to become the Sons of God. Now, if you've got other translations, most of those other translations say children of God because they've got to be politically correct. They've got to be gender neutral. Gender, you know, they don't want to be offensive to, to women. So, the, our Bible says they must be the sons of God. Now, there's a different word for sons than it is for children in the Greek language. And just like in the English language, there's a different word for son. You can be a child and not be a son. You can be a child and be a daughter, right? But but as many as received him, let's try to get, let me slow down here. Let's just quote John 1, 12 together, ready? But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now follow this a little bit, of, it's not really that hard, but when we get saved, we are instantaneously born into God's family. We're a babe in Christ. But we're also a child of God. But we're also get a transactional positional status as a son of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. All instantaneous in one respect. And we'll look at this in more detail. So I want to delineate between a child of God and the, the son of God. In verses 1 through 6, especially verse 7, they, they do this here. First of all, look what it says, verse number 1. Now I say that, say that the heir, as long as he is a child... Differeth nothing from nothing from a servant, though he be lord or the prince of all. Now, you know we uh, somebody who pre- who preached uh, about Josiah. Oh, it was Kevin in uh, VBS mentioned about Josiah. He was king at eight years old, but most uh, eight-year-olds don't become kings or or, or, or certainly fathers or, or or leaders of the house. No, or. No, they they got to grow up. They're just little boys still. Here, so we have the child. How do you become a child of God? How about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? How about we start off with that? For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. So how do you become a child of God? By faith. By faith you are saved. Remember, salvation, becoming a child of God is, there must be a regenerative act. It's not by adoption. It's by salvation. It's by being born. It's a supernatural birth. It's it's not a fleshly birth. It's not a physical trans- or, uh, uh, legal transaction. It's a supernatural thing that takes place. So, a child of God is by faith, but the Son of God is by. I've already used the word seven times now. It's by transaction, and we can talk about the word justification here, and we'll look at it there in, uh, again in a little bit here. So we have this: the difference between a child of God, first of all, is. You become a child of God by faith, but you become a son of God by a legal, if I can add another word, transaction. Uh, let me give you some verses if you want a verse to buttress that. Romans 3.25 says this, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, a covering that is, through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God. Now we're saved by the blood of the crucified one, the songwriter says, right? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Blood is the the, the miracle of the blood. There's no life without the blood. And so we we, we get the blood. Jesus died on the cross mystically, uh, but literally as well. But when he died on the cross, his blood of course, cleanses us from all sin. We, and we get, have his blood thro- flowing through us, of course. And so we have that, that blood that flows through us, but blood also cleanses, blood, so blood also uh, heals. For by his stripes we are healed, he, uh, Isaiah 53 says. And so we're justified by, we're declared righteous by his blood. Let me finish the verse, Romans three twenty five one more time. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through the faith in his blood, there's salvation, to declare his righteousness. There's the transaction for the remission of sins that are past, that through the forbearance or through the forbearance of God. Verse 26 says this to declare the declaration, I say at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him that which believeth in Jesus. And so there's that literal mystical, I don't want to use the word magical, but that miraculous. Blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it gives us life through the the new birth. We get the blood, and we have blood flowing through us from our parents, of course, our DNA, rather, and uh, uh, we have our, our parents' DNA in us, of course. But then we also have that positional, transactional declaration that's made that you are my blood. Going back to Yuri for a moment to try to delineate this. He's not... Tom Martinson's real blood, physical blood. But transactionally, his name is Martinson, he's, 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 the blood is declared appropriated on, on, on him. And so we have the first uh, de- delineation between a child and a son. The child, child of God is by faith, and the son of God is by transaction. Then, verse number one again, it's, it talks about the child being differing nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Uh, so uh, a, son of, a child of God involves condition, his present condition. He may be a child, but he's, he's a servant still. He's a babe. He's just a child. The son of God, a son of God involves position. So a child involves condition, but a son involves position. You say, how do you get that? Well, his condition at birth, we are spiritual babes in Christ. And we've already delineated or looked at First Peter 2, 2 and 3. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So the condition is that they need to have milk, the milk of the word of God. Very important. And we've got to be careful. And I, I know I've been guilty on a number of occasions. I think one particular occasion 30 years ago. In fact, I'll tell you because it's it's. Uh, but uh, I was talking to a Roman Catholic person that, that received Christ, and if, I, if you read Romans, or rather Revelation seventeen, I think it speaks about the Catholic Church, of course, and uh, you know very strong meat there, of course. And some people can't handle that. Uh, we don't want we don't want to have a babe choke. Uh, there's some things we don't tell babes. Uh, uh, because they're not able to handle it. We need to keep people keep with the basics of the Word of God with newborn babes in Christ. But we need to grow up, and as a son, we have position, we have standing, and we have status, and we have maturity. And I'm going to give you a verse here, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavy places in Christ Jesus. So we have position our position is, uh, we're, as a child of God, another way to say it, we're sinners saved by grace. As a son of God, we're saints. We're not just sinners saved by grace, we're saints. And so we have a difference between a child involves condition and a son involves position. The third bullet point, uh, verse 2 says, but it's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father I mean, so we, when we were children, were in bondage unto the elements of the world. Let me just give you the, the point here. There's some, some bondage here, but being a child of God involves entering. We're, we, entered, we entered into the world through the new birth. We entered into the world of God through the new birth. Entering, entering is the word for a child of, of God. But the son involves enjoying enjoying, and we are—we have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Let me just stop here. For, let me just drive the point home. You don't need to raise your hand, but I've been a pastor for a lot of years now. I've been trying to strive and serve God for many years, but I always feel, uh, many times in my hundreds of times in my life, in fact, thousands of times, I felt like I, I fall short. Do you ever feel that way? Don't raise your hand, because all your hands to be raised up. I feel like uh, inadequate. I feel insecure. I feel like I'm underperforming. That, uh, that's insecurities. It's not right. And it's, uh, I evolved, I'm in. I've entered into this world of, of Christian, uh, the Christian life. I've entered into the world, but I'm not enjoying the Christian life. There's something to be enjoying the Christian life. The the joy of the Spirit, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We we have standing, we have position, we have justification, we we have a legal transaction. He loves us as we are. There's a wonderful truth in regards to this. So a child of God involves entering. We get into the world of God. But a child of, a son of God involves enjoying. And then uh, verses two and three, we won't read it again for time's sake. A child of God requires guardians or tutors, but I chose the word guardians. Guardian midlinums. Or we need somebody to, every Timothy, when he's first saved, needs a Paul. Or every Saul of Tarsus needs a Barnabas. We need to, Every uh, mother that brings a child into the world needs to birth them, but then they need to burp them and take care of them and bottle them and bathe them and change them and all the stuff that we have to do with newborn babes. And they require guardians, and they have to learn no, 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 no. Especially that word no. Yes, they learn that word yes, but they have to learn no. And they need to slap their hands. Need to be slapped sometimes. And they they're under bondage. They're under they're under a tutor. And there's several verses that several other chapters that deal with this subject. But then, as a son of God, we realize that not only children of God requires guardians, but sons of God realize liberty. I, uh, I'm i talking different to my oldest grandson now than I than I talked to him a couple years, three years ago. He's a young man now. He's 13 years old. Obviously, uh, he, I, I'm training him more like a... The almost adult that he is, and uh, there's liberty there and uh I, I can trust him to do things, and I can just be very point blank Bradley, do this, or I need you to get this for me. just uh don't need to sugarcoat it I go, please, 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 I want you to do this you uh, coach him no they, they it involves liberty and then uh then uh, verse number uh. Well, one through three, for time's sake here, we'll keep moving forward. Let me give you the, the next fill in the blank words. Being a child of God involves the basics, the ABCs. Being a son of God involves the quote-unquote deep things. I wanted to turn, but I'm looking at that clock, it's getting by fast. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, most of you know it. The, the Bible speaks about, uh, Paul said I couldn't speak to you as spiritual, but as in the carnal. The time you had to become teachers, you needed someone to teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. And we get to Hebrews 6.1, therefore leaving the principles of God, the first principles of God and going on uh, to uh, uh, deeper doctrines. And so uh, Ephesians 3.3, 3, another verse, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery of, as I wrote aforetime in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Greatest the mystery of godliness, the mysteries of, of the word of God are meant for strong, mature believers, sons of God. We don't want to stay, if you're in the library and you're three or four years old and you're reading, you're learning your ABCs, it's one thing, but if you're 13 or 14 or 23 and 24 and you're still in the library and you're reading your ABCs and learning them, you've you're spiritually immature, you're ignorant, and you're you're, uh, you're uh, really retarded uh, in regards to uh, maturity goes. We get to verse 4. I just want to make a sidebar here and look at verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of time, remember what a dispensation is. It's different times, different house rules of different times. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Now he's the son of God, but he came as a babe. And he came in the fullness of time. He came in the, during the time of the period of the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. It's a little bit of a misnomer, but the Peace of Rome from AD or B.C. 28 to about 180 A.D., a time of relative peace and prosperity. And, of course, there was a time of where, where the Greek language was universal, of course. And this is that period of time. When that right time in history, when God sent forth his son to be born of a woman, or made of a woman, excuse me, born under, uh, uh, made, made under the law, rather. And so we get to verse number uh, five. Let's look at verse five. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons, Write down for the next blank, uh, fill in the blank. The child of God, there is no inheritance. No inheritance for the child of God. They're not ready for the inheritance. They're still in their servitude for a while. But a son of God is heir of the Father. Joint heir with Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 17, if you want a verse. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ... If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So, a child of God, there's no inheritance. Now, don't misunderstand me. God's going to give us an inheritance, of course. But there's, there's, uh, there's an heir where we're heirs to the throne. We're we're princes, as verse number one says, or Lord, Lord of all, or Prince of all. Even though we're child, we get this position, of positional transaction that we're adopted as well. And so we're heir of the Father. Next key word is the word, uh, as for the child of God, we're under servitude. Under servitude. We're under service. And uh, whereas the Son of God, we're under grace. Peter, First Peter chapter 1, verse 4, I believe it is, talks about that we are, the law could never give us uh, Make us partakers of the divine nature. We're never, we don't have that divine nature in us by the law. It's by grace. I want to say more about that, but we'll move forward for time's sake here. Then uh, the child of God, he has master. Now the Lord is the master of us all, that's true, but the Son of God, He has a Father. And we call Him, see, so as sons of God, so we have the Spirit of God in us, verse 6, that Christ in our hearts sang, Abba, Father, Arabic, Daddy, Papa, Papa, Father, Dad, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but He's Daddy. And... uh and he loves us, and there's an affection there, and there's uh, an acceptance there. It's, it's, it's not uh, uh, someone to be feared. He's more than our master. He is our master, don't misunderstand me. But he's our father. And that's a wonderful truth. Uh, the contrast, by the way, verses 6 and 7, verse 7 says, Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if he's a son, then an heir of God through Christ. The contrast is not between the children of God and the sons of God, but rather the contrast between servants and sons. We're, we're to serve the Lord, but we're, we're sons. It's, we can still serve him, but we serve him out of love, not, not of, in fact, the next uh, child of God analogy is we, a child obeys out of fear. Perfect love casts out fear. A son of God obeys out of love. We don't have to serve; we get to serve. We we get to. We don't have to come to church. You know, our, some of our kids were made to come to church tonight with us. They're downstairs. We they they they, they you know you're coming to church or else. <laughs> no, now we get to come to church. We we come out of love, not because we have to. We come out of love and not out of duty again. Uh, and several verses that could be used, Galatians 3, 24, and 25, or 23 and 24, just across the page there. It says the law is our schoolmaster. Kept us, we were kept under the law. Uh, to bring us, the law brings us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. There's that fear that the fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord brings us to, brings us to grace many times. It brings us to salvation. But uh, in the, the Son, as the Son of God, we obey out of love. And the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, Galatians 5.22. So we love him because he first loved us, and we're, we're accepted of him. Two more, we're done. Oh, boy. Yeah, let me, let me finish up here. We'll, a we'll, couple weeks here, we'll do this again here. But uh, the child of God... Can't handle riches. Can't handle riches. You don't want to give your child, you know, if you a you $100,000 for your child in your, your, their uh, college fund, you don't give it to them when they're three, do you? They can't handle that. But the Son of God is the recipient of all riches. And Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Then the last one, verse 7 again. Wherefore there are no more son but a, a, a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Joint heir, adoption. the A child of God, there's a private celebration. And let me see if I can try to do this fact, fast. When Jesus came and he was born in the manger. How many people knew about that? Well, the shepherds on the field knew about it. They heard the angels rejoicing, but... Herod didn't even know about it, whereas he that's born king of the Jews when the wise men came, you know the story. The lowly manger in Bethlehem, in the backside of Bethlehem somewhere, Jesus was born. And when you received Christ as Savior, follow this analogy. How many people knew that you received Christ as your Savior, that you became a child of God, a prince of God, a son of God? Probably just maybe just you at the time and maybe that soul winner, that preacher, that other Christian that was with you when you bowed your head and received Christ as Savior. It was a very private celebration as such. But adoption, uh, I'm not going to be able to go to it. But John, my son-in-law, Jonathan is going to be have a, a graduation service from Naval Officer of Training School on the weekend, about three weeks from now, two weeks from now, whatever it is. I'm not going to be able to attend. But anyhow, uh, it's going to be a big public ceremony. He'll be in his dress whites. So it'll be, in, he'll, uh, you know, it'll be a big, t- big time event. It'll be a big public celebration. Jesus came. Follow this scenario. He came privately lowly, with no reputation, born in a manger. But the second time he comes, he's coming with power and great glory and every eye shall see him. He's coming with, with and one day, right now we're just lowly little ser- servants of God that people don't even know, some of your work people don't even know that you're a real, they should know, but they don't realize what it means that you are a son of God or a child of God. They have no clue. But one day, in Romans 8 tells us this, verse 23, one day to wit there's going to be the redemption of our body, there's, there's, there's going to be the, the, the public celebration of the sons of God. And they will shine as the brightness of the stars forever and ever. And so a child of God, we have a private, private celebration, but a son of God, we have a public celebration. Some days yet f- future to be determined when we meet the Lord and we hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant it would be a wonderful thing. Well, I'm a minute over what I wanted to be here tonight. So let's, let's we'll finish this up, Lord willing, in a couple of, uh, I guess three weeks from now, I believe it is. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the fact that every single person that's received Christ as their Savior is your child. Lord, thank you so much so that we're not just children of God, but we're sons of God, joint heirs of Jesus Christ. We had a private celebration. When we received Christ, angels of heaven rejoiced in heaven, but nobody knew on earth that, that rejoicing was going forward. One day there'll be a public celebration. Lord, our eyes will behold the you and Lord will say it was worth it all and you'll you'll reward us accordingly, and we'll look forward to that, dear God. And we're accepted already in the beloved. We've already we we have a transactional justification as well as a positional and uh, place in your your royal family. We thank you for that, Lord. I pray you bless. Dear God, help us understand that we are joint heirs of Jesus Christ. Even this night, we pray. And Lord, bless your people, we ask. In Christ's name I ask. Amen. Let's sing just one verse of, uh, how about a...